Hello and welcome to the How to Exit podcast, where we introduce you to a world of small to medium business acquisitions and mergers. We interview business owners, industry leaders, authors, mentors, and other influencers with the sole intent to share with you what it looks like to buy or sell a business. Let's get rolling. All right, today I'm here with Rudy Upshaw. Rudy is a 25-year veteran or for 25 years plus veteran of the financial world in business loans, business banking, and personal financial and business financial coaching. Uh, thank you for being our guest today. Uh, so, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So my first question is always a little bit about yourself. Start anywhere you want to start. Uh, some people don't start all the way back to childhood. Some people had some painful childhood stuff, right? But anywhere you want to start, start where you kind of, who are you? What are you about? What do you stand for? Why should our audience be really interested in what you're up to? Yeah, absolutely, Ron. Thanks for uh, having me today on the, the, the podcast to share a little bit about uh, my experience and background. And hopefully I can add some value to folks that are looking at uh, either purchasing, selling, you know, doing something with their business. So um, so my background, Ron, I, uh, I'm actually from Arkansas. So I grew up in the Northwest Arkansas area and Gosh, what a what a great uh, yeah! I'm 52, and so growing up in Northwest Arkansas with all the things that were happening uh, around around the 70s, the 80s, all the uh, you know you had the the two big industries. Of course, you have the Walmart uh, uh, presence in Northwest Arkansas, and then you have the presence of Tyson and the the uh, the, the the poultry processing aspect of it. So you know, Northwest Arkansas is a very young community, and so it's just a, it was a great time for me to grow up in that uh, time period. With lots of activity, uh, lots of business things happening uh, in that season. Uh, but, but Ron, I did grow up in, in a very poor environment, um, uh, raised by a wonderful single mom. Uh, and I, I don't really ever remember a time that my mom didn't have at least two jobs going on at any given time. Uh, I had two, uh, uh, I have two siblings that uh, grew up uh, in the same household. And, uh, you know, mom was out of the picture quite a bit. She just had to work a whole lot. And so we were left to our own vices to, to, to some degree. And uh, growing up in, in an environment like that, uh, very poor, you know, we had a lot of food insecurity issues as well. And uh, for much of my childhood, probably up into my late teens, uh, the, really the way that we got food was, uh, I call it dumpster diving. We would go behind grocery stores we would jump, dump in, or jump in the, the dumpsters to get food product, and you know we would bring that home, and that's kind of what we uh, lived on for much of our lives. And so, given that whole scenario, I, I kind of grew up with a little bit of a, of a fear mentality, a scarcity mentality, and um, through through that whole process, though, it also gave me a really uh, strong empathy for people that struggle with money that uh, maybe don't really have the skills, haven't had the education, or just haven't flat, flat out had the, the, the mentoring to walk through financial situations, both with their personal money, but also with their business uh, funds. And so I, I committed myself to really understanding how to manage money, uh, how to manage it well, how to save, uh, to be disciplined in, you know, not running after the shiny objects. And so out of that childhood experience, um, it really kind of set the tone for what I would do later on in life in working with clients with their money and giving them not just that that guidance and the advice from a knowledge perspective, but also that encouragement and that uh, support 
for, hey, you know what? It's going to be okay. Let's develop a plan, develop a strategy. Let's stick to the strategy. And if we do that, things will work out in your goal uh, setting that you uh, want for yourself, your family, and your business. So That's awesome. I can uh, relate to some of that. I grew up uh, in the I would say in poverty, we lived on a small farm, 20 acres. Uh, we, you know, if we didn't grow it, we had to hustle for it. My dad was a painter and remodeler. So uh, I remember like we'd open Christmas presents. And then once we got all done, we'd eat our food. If somebody had a vacant house that we could go work on, we'd go work. My dad had the mentality that, you know, you're either doing one or two things. You're making money or you're spending it. Hmm. So, uh, you know, I always had that, you know, money is something you have to go out and work hard to earn. And uh, my mom worked you know, brilliant woman. Uh, both my parents have passed away years ago, but my mom worked multiple jobs and everything from gas station attendant to uh, wiring the nuclear harnesses, uh, power centers for nuclear powered submarines wow, uh, cool. at a company here in Tulsa, actually called Nelson for Marine Products. So I was always around two hardworking people, but there was just, you know, you know, never enough, I guess you would say. We're always, they were always, you know, uh, working for whatever they needed. So uh, anyway, I learned that, so that same scarcity mentality, I learned that like my dad wanted a, something new if he wanted a, a boat. And it was never new. It was like a used boat or something. We had to go paint a bunch of houses that summer so we could go get one, right? So I, I kind of had that. Everything's within reach if you work hard enough. So I, I can get that. So you... Can I, can I add just a little bit to it? Yeah. And I'll let you finish your thought. So, you know, Ron, kind of giving maybe some of the, your experience and your background, I, I've seen it too. It's so very easy for, for people in business or just in life to let that scarcity mentality convert into a poverty mentality where I, I'm fearful of things. I don't think I can have things. So I many times people resolve themselves to this is as far as I'm going to get. There, There is no other place to go. I'm quote unquote, stuck in this role, in this position that I'm in. And that is an absolute lie. And the, yeah. the value that I give to, to the clients that I work with is that, that, that aspect of you are not stuck unless you, unless you allow yourself mentally to, to be convinced that you are stuck. There's so many opportunities. I mean, we live in the, in the land of opportunity. And so having those experiences that I've had, I'm, I'm sure on your side too, yes, there is hard work involved, but we don't have to be stuck in the place that we're in. There's so many resources. There's people that want to help us, give us advice, coach us, and give us that encouragement and that hope that, that we can pull ourselves out of that mental thinking of that poverty mentality. So I just want to add that as a little bit of a add so and i, I agree I, I would never be where i'm at right now without all the coaching and and stuff i've taken on um you know it's just part of my natural um processes of when i hit a roadblock i go okay who can get me past this and i go find a coach or a, a thing i think a lot of that has to do with this what they refer to as like fight or flight right hmm. when you grow up in a in a in a let's just say a stressed situation, you get to choose, you know, a lot of people choose that that's just the way things are. And some of us choose to go, no, I'm going to tear a hole in this thing and change it and make a difference. And uh, it's funny is, uh, you know, I see a lot of people um, who faced adversity, you know, went from homeless to, to wealthy and stuff. And I think something, there's something to be said for having that battle that you had to fight because when things get a little easier uh, and a little more comfortable, you still kind of have that fight in you. So, but I would, yeah. I, I, I wholly uh, really uh, acknowledge you for what you're doing and coaching others and stuff, because 
I have a team of coaches I've used and mentors I've used, and I would be nowhere near where I'm at now and nowhere. I wouldn't be able to go where I'm going. I have coaches now. I wouldn't be able to go where I'm going without the people I surround myself with. So cool. So uh, I guess one of the things we want to get into is um, we're, we're here. This is a, uh, how to exit. It's, it's about selling businesses, um, creating businesses that are sellable, and trying to maximize the value of something you've spent your life working on, your kind of your legacy, uh, per se. Um, what makes a business, let's just jump right into it, what makes a business uh, bankable? Like, you know, if somebody wanted to do what they call a leveraged buyout and they wanted to use a, uh, a um, you know, a bank to back, you know, part of the purchase, what makes that work, Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic question, um, and, and I get asked that on a regular basis in my uh, uh, professional, you know, I guess day job, so to speak, over the years. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of facets to it. The, the biggest facet is for it to be bankable. Is the business profitable? You know, number one, just very, very basic. You know, is it making money? But taking that a step deeper, there there are a lot of uh, financial foundations that need to be in place. And I would submit to your on, and, and you've been in this for a while, I wouldn't say the majority, but a high percentage of, of the clients that, that I work with on a daily basis, the owners and the leaders of that company may not fully understand the components of their financials on really what that looks like. And many times when I have clients that come to me and say, hey, we're thinking about selling, um, what advice would you give me? The, the first advice that I always give them is, do you, the first question I ask is, do you understand your financials? Do you truly understand what's going on in the financials? Because when you go to a, a sell situation, typically they're going to not just work with a bank, but they're going to work with a, a CPA, a financial, someone that's very practiced in analyzing the financials of that business, not just for this current uh cycle that they're in financially, but they're going to review the last, you know, at least the last three years to look for trends, to look for, um, you know, the sustainability of that company to make sure that that bottom line is that, is that EBITDA structure, does that consistent over time? Um, so the, the first place I always start is, do you really understand your financials? And I just kind of wait when I ask that question to see what the response is, because typically if they come to me at that point, especially from a, a sell perspective, or I'm sorry, from a financing perspective to finance that transaction. If I don't have a really good feel that they truly understand their financial foundations for the company, then my advice is to have them engage with someone that can give them that guidance and direction, be it a, a business consultant, coach. Typically your banks are not going to be that party that's going to give them that advice. The banks have the ability to provide that analysis work, but the banks, that's a line many banks will not cross from a fiduciary responsibility in making sure the because the banks the banks are going to protect themselves they're going to make sure that they from a risk perspective they're mitigating their risk and so that viewpoint is not going to be necessarily the same viewpoint that a business seller or a business purchaser is going to be wanting to come in with um so the first piece is do they really understand the financials and if they do understand the financials and they have a good uh, analysis that's been done, then we'll always review down the banking side of things, go through that. There'll be a ton of questions that we'll walk through. And again, it, the basic premise is to make sure that we have a, a strong uh, assurance that 
that the financials are, are very sound and very good at the end of the day. So, awesome. so one of the things I find is uh, a lot of the businesses that I talk to, especially the brick and mortar companies, they actually didn't start off thinking they're going to go out and start a business unless they bought it. Right. Uh, a lot of these guys, what happened was, you know, they were good at something. Somebody asked them to do it for them. They took that one on. And the next thing you know, they were doing another one. And, you know, uh, it kind of organically grew into a business. So all of a sudden they have to do taxes. So they bring mm-hmm. something in to fix their books the first time. And then they maintain their books or their financials at the minimum standard of whatever the CPA needs to see to get, you know, to get the taxes done. Right. And yeah. then a guy like me or you comes in there and we, you know, unless they, if they've ever taken a bank loan, they had to clean some of it up because they're going to make someone to see certain things. But if they just right. grew this thing organically over 30 years, you know, you can't just bring a business acquisitions guy like myself, a bag of receipts and and some, you know, uh, you know, things scribbled on notes and expect me to clean it up. Right. Uh, the same way, you know, that you would, they they wouldn't do that to you, but some of the financials I've seen over the last, especially this last year when you know, people businesses are distressed and people are wanting to retire and not not deal with it, their financials were just not really given deep thought, and it's just not to the industry standard. Do you see that a lot too, or it's kind of they're getting by, they're getting whatever the CPA needs to get their taxes done, but it's just not what you expect to see in a business. Yeah, wrong, wrong with that question. And, and it's a disservice from my perspective to that business owner when that occurs. Um, I, I don't necessarily have a rule of thumb, but I typically like to see if someone is even considering exiting out, if they're looking forward and they're, they're thinking, hey, you know, in the next, honestly, the next five to 10 years, I would like to transition this business either to family or to someone outside the company, you know, that that three to five year time frame is really really critical for them to if they don't have that experience or that expertise on the financial side, they've really got to work with someone like yourself or or a business coach consultant to come in and take that time. It it, it is a huge huge sip that takes time to turn to time to line up to the port that it's supposed to go into, and if that time is not really spent in that process they have the opportunity to really short themselves quite a bit of money on the back end when they do that because of all the repair work that needs to be done to get there. So if they wait too late in that process, you know, there, there's some opportunity for them to be ahead of the game if they can be on top of it. So, you know, some folks have asked me, you know, can I do this in 18 months? Can I do it in a year? It's like, well, you can, but it's going to be a little bit painful. And if you are making transitions to, you know, people that are very close to you, there's going to be some issues that may develop in relationships because of that very short time frame that we're trying to get it fit in. And then, Ron, especially if we have some type of a life event like a death in the family or something that occurs where it's forced upon the next of kin or possibly even a spouse, that's a very uncomfortable situation to be in. So um, the, the more time that is there to be able to prepare for that, um, it's better. Plus, it's also it, it's more cost effective doing it that way. You know, if they're in a, in a transition period, and they, they're looking at maybe five years out, starting that process within, you know, three years of that actually occurring, it's going to save them a lot of money. Plus, they'll make more on the back end as well. So, Absolutely. <clears throat> Myself and every other acquisitions investor that I know of looks at at least three years trailing financials, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's key. And, you know... Uh, one of the things I've been finding, if, if their financials are not straight, I, I, I'm a, 
I come from the real estate world and I always had the motto that you could be a real estate investor and still be, you know, morally sound and to treat people right. So I, I had the rule of thumb, never steal the equity from little old ladies. Um, I do the same thing inside of business. If you're fine, if you come to me and your financials are that messed up, I won't buy the whole thing. You know, I'll buy 60% or 75% and I'll leave some on the table because I can show you when I get done with your financials and get done with, you know, merging a few other small businesses with it and doing what my team does you'll make more money on that 30% than I could give you for the 60 or 70% I'm buying now because it's clean and we've grown it some. So I give them the opportunity to you know, participate on the backside or I just tell them, say, look, I'm still interested. Go clean up your financials a little bit and we can move that number to where you, you know, what you thought you were going to get. So I'm, I'm a big fan of that. So one of the other questions I always ask is, you know, what's one common myth in your profession or in the financial in, uh, institution that you wish just didn't exist as far as uh, like just one myth or one thing you come across in your coaching on a regular basis? I think I know one that, I, you know, I heard you say earlier, but what's what's the one thing like I wish this would just go away? It doesn't exist. It's not true. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a myth, but I think it's the thinking of, of business owners that whatever occurs uh, in the business is independent from what occurs at home. <laughs> and and what I mean by that is, you know, just very, very simple things. You know, I, I, I work with business owners that, man, they've got incredible businesses. It's earning good money. It's very sustainable. But the business owner is not paying their personal bills on time, right? And so, you know, the, the, the thinking is, well, you know, I don't have to worry about that. I can, you know, let things slide a little bit and, and won't affect the business. And it always does. Anything that happens in the four walls of your house is going to trickle up into the business. Okay. Be it financial, be it relational. I mean, just to be really transparent, right? If, if we're having a tough morning when we're leaving the house and we have some things going on with kids or there's a, you know, I'll just be really transparent, marital issues happening, I don't care how you slice and dice it, it all is going to funnel up, right? Uh, so, so I say that from the perspective of when I coach a business client and we get into some strategy discussions, um, I will always have a conversation about let's talk about what's going on at home. Let's talk about, you know, your personal credit. Let's talk about, you know, are you are you budgeting yourself? And if I have clients that they are they are opposed or they refuse to do any type of personal budgeting going on. I have a really challenging time fully engaging on the business side of things because I've got to know holistically, uh, are, are they going to be okay um, as I go through this process with them? Because inevitably everything that happens in the business is a, is a result or an effect of things that are happening in the home environment too. So, um, there are some some coaches that they're okay with you know, doing very much a, a scope based approach to consulting on the business side, without really visiting about the personal things. Um, I'm not one of those guys. I like talking about both sides of the equation uh, because I don't want to give bad advice on the business piece unless I have a good understanding holistically of where things are going. Because I could be giving advice strategically that does not line up and is going to cause harm. Uh, to the home environment or vice versa, right? So it, it plays in both aspects. So not necessarily a myth, but just some guidance uh, from my perspective. 
So inside of that, do you ever end up needing to coach both the business owner and uh, and their spouse, like to, to bring their spouse on board with the the home side? Because it's interesting. The reason I bring that up is if I'm buying a solopreneur's business, even if it's in an LLC and it's a single member LLC, I always want to have a little bit of discussion with the spouse, right? And because, you know, I know for, you know, and I kind of joke around, I like when somebody, you know, says, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm going to ask the boss, right? So I always check with things. It's, it's, a, it's just marital harmony to make sure that your, your significant other's on the same page with what's going on. So do you end up having to do that inside of this? How yeah, important is that? Um, it, it, it's very important. What I'll say is I, I don't have to do it all the time, but if I am finding that there are some gaps uh, on the personal side, that are significant that maybe the business owner has already identified, or if they haven't identified, I can see it coming. I see where, where the landmine is at down the road. And I will quickly engage in a conversation. Have, you know what? We can continue down this path. We can do it, but I really feel like that we need to bring your, your wife, your husband into the conversation, because if we don't, there is an explosion that's going to happen down the road. And I just want to make sure that I'm giving you the best guidance possible rather than just continue to go down a path that I know is going to cause them harm. That's, that's doesn't do anybody any good. So I, I will do that on a regular basis and have. So our, uh, our listeners, we got, we, we got listeners that are buying and selling businesses and that type of stuff. And then we've got listeners that are thinking about selling their business sometime in the future. And like, if they needed to, you know, they're hearing us and they're hearing that the financials are really important to be either bankable or to just get maximum value out of their business. Mm-hmm. What would be, you know, one place that they could start? What's a good place for somebody, a book to read, um, you know, something to basically take them from, I just, I don't know what I don't know, to, you know, being ready to be coached by a guy like you or uh, present their business to a guy like me? Is there is there some resource that you'd like to point people to to get them started? You know, there's a ton of resources out there, uh, Ron, um, and I've, I've read a lot of them, and they all have a different perspective of things, and it's so easy to overwhelm the overwhelmed. <laughs> uh, my, my, my advice and guidance to them is if they have a – and honestly, the, the bank is probably – it's not the first place and it's probably one of the last places I would advise a business owner to go and have a conversation with. That's probably maybe tier two, maybe tier three, just to just advise the banker kind of what may be coming down the pike. Um, but again, you know, a, a bank's direction is really not to be that, that advisory fiduciary role for the client. Um, but I would advise them to start with a, uh, a trusted probably a CPA that has some guidance and experience. And again, there's a ton of CPAs out there too. Uh, and uh, the CPAs do very, very good work, but a lot of the CPAs are very tax centric. They're not really a strategic centric, you know, in, in many cases. Um, so the, if they have a trusted CPA that they knows has some guidance in that area, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong and there's no cost with having a consultation to talk through a little bit of that, but they should interview many of them. They should also interview many people like yourself, Ron, especially if in the real estate space, have some of that background, having those conversations, uh, talking with some uh, business coaches, business consultants. They need to interview several folks. And, and it's not necessarily as much about the information and knowledge, because that's important, but it's also about having a fit, working with someone that 
understands and cares to understand their situation, cares to understand their goals, and that can put a strategy in place, even if it means me bringing a partner like you into the conversation. You know, I may be I may be the person that understands everything, but I don't have a specific expertise that they need. So I'll bring Iran in, I'll bring a trusted CPA in, I'll bring someone else into that conversation to make sure that the team is really doing the best thing for the client. So that's probably my biggest advice. Uh, again, there's a ton of books, ton of literature out there, but I think the uh, the individual interaction with trusted people um, that would have their specific situation in mind and bring those partners in to help them craft that, for me, is what I've seen the most experience out of and the most value for the client. Once everything is wrapped up, they're able to take a step back and say, you know what? That was a very, very good experience because I had people surrounding me that cared about me and that understood what my goals were. So that that's my guidance and advice. It's really a very personal, intimate uh, situation with trusted advisors that come around that particular person. Yeah, and I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. One of the first things I do um, all right, you know, with any business owner, like I'm in interviewing uh, marketing firms across the United States. Uh, we're doing a, a, a marketing accelerator, an international marketing accelerator. It's actually what we named it, International Marketing Accelerator. But um, we're buying up marketing firms. But my first call with these guys is, can I work with you and can you work with me? So we get to know each other, build rapport. You and I did this, right? Like I do that with a lot of people that I, yep. you know, I plan on interviewing when I was planning for this podcast and I found some really interesting people. I just did these one-to-one, get to know you, like, you know, who are you? What are you up to? And can we work together on something? And if it clicks, then I, you know, like I can do something with this guy. I want to help him move forward. And the same way with the business owners, you know, there's gotta be rapport. There's gotta be trust. And uh, I don't care who you are, or how much money you got. If I don't like being on the phone with you and I don't like being in your space, I'm not buying your business because I have to interact with you and trust you for a while after I buy it. Right. And I'm not going to have any no. of my I'm not even going to re- if I don't like you and think that you're kind of a jerk or whatever. I want to even refer you to the couple of hundred you know, other uh, mergers and acquisitions investors that I know. Because I don't want them coming back to me and go, why did you send that jerk to me? That guy's you know so hard to work with, right? So there is something to that, and and, and there are seven point. Don't get discouraged if you're one of the jerks, right? There are seven point eight billion people on this planet. We're pushing eight billion. Somebody out there is going to like you, all right? Somebody's going to click with you and want to help you out. So just because you don't click with me or you don't click with somebody else, that doesn't mean you stop. It means you go to, you go talk to the next consultant, you go talk to the next guy until you can see eye to eye, right? So, so, so uh, let me ask you a question. If you don't mind, I want to interview the interviewer, yeah. if that's all right. So you, you, like made a, you made a, a, a statement or maybe just a little bit of a phrase uh, in, in your, your, your conversation just now, Ron, and that's on trust. And so I'd, I'd love to ask you, um, putting yourself on the other side of the desk, being the client, mm-hmm. what, does, what would trust look like from that perspective, looking at you? And, and this so, is kind of a reason I'm asking the question. I'll give you my viewpoint, but I want to kind of hear from your perspective. So trust from that perspective is I'm really my job is to listen to what they're up to in the world, what they're trying to achieve and help them facilitate that. And I, I can't I can't gain their trust and they can't gain my trust if all I'm in there to do is talk about my agenda, say, say buying the business that I probably have more conversations with people where I don't end up being the guy that's going to you know, consider buying their business than than conversations I do where I am the guy. And it's because I just sat down and like, what are you up to? What are you trying to achieve? 
you know, and if I'm not the right guy to get you to where you're going on this road of life, then I'm going to put you, you know, I'll connect you to somebody that is right. Um, you know, a lot of these, I've actually had a lot of, you'll probably say two, I say a lot, two out of 10 people that call me, they want to leave it to their employees, but they don't know how to do it. And, uh, you know, I'll put this out to my, uh, my listeners out there and stuff. I'm looking for a, in, uh, an ESOP employee stock option plan attorney that can mm-hmm. set them up. Cause I get people to ask me how to do that. And I don't know, it's not my space. And I just have to tell them, I don't know, but I'd like to real report with that. So uh, you know, as far as developing trust, it's just, are we listening to us, each other and helping each other create an agenda, to, uh, an agenda that works as one together, or are we both pushing our own agenda? So if we're both pushing our own agenda, it's going to be hard to, like, trust is going to, and report is going to take a while, right? My job is just to hear you out, figure out what you're up to, and, like, can I make something work? You know, somebody calls me and says, hey, I've got a business for sale. I want a million dollars, you know, for it. I just, I don't blink an eye. I'm like, cool, how, let's see how we can get you there. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know your business well enough to tell you no yet, right? So let's yeah. just see how we can get you there. And uh, Yeah, I, I love I love that. Uh, it's, you know, the listening, the the being attentive to what the needs are. It, it's so easy for uh, those of us that are interviewing a client. It's easy for me. I'll just I'll just say it that way to to in, impart my opinion, my viewpoint into the conversation um, to even offer maybe some solutions before I've heard everything out. And as a at doing this for nearly 30 years, what I continue to learn, unfortunately, is I've got to keep my mouth shut more. <laughs> And I've got to really understand and ask questions to really dig into the the real why behind the why, right? And typically, there's going to be several levels before you get to the root foundation of really what's the driver behind this, right? Um, and that that cannot be done very quickly. The other thing that I wanted just to add to this trust conversation is. Um, I think it's important as a someone that's working with businesses in this buy-sell conversation to be able to have the freedom. And I always tell my clients, freedom is really important in our relationship. So you have the freedom to be very transparent, very honest with me. With many of my clients, well, I would say probably with every one of my clients, um, I if I don't execute an NDA with them, an MNDA, mutual non-disclosure agreement, we have that conversation up front. Some of my clients said, you know what? We don't need to have anything documented. I know who you are. I know what your values are. Anything that we discuss in these four walls, it won't go anywhere. Uh, but I always provide an NDA on the front end to my clients just so that we have a level set of the field. They understand that whatever conversations occur uh, between us, it stays between us. That gives them the absolute freedom to openly share things. It also gives me the freedom to be very transparent and honest with them. If I see that they are doing something that is going to cause them harm or even me harm in our relationship, I just say up front, listen, you know what? This is this is your time. This is this is your engagement. But there are some things that I see that you need to stop. And here's why I recommend that you stop or that you need to engage with. And uh, so it, it's that transparency of information that... Uh, I feel really helps that trust develop. And I'll just tell them flat out that if you go down this path in some situations, I'm not going to be able to uh, to work with you going forward. And I've had many times when clients have come back and maybe they have made that decision that I recommend that they not make it. And it's again, it's their, their choice to do that. But they've come back and say, you know what? 
I kind of wish that we would have had more discussions about that because I think I, I would have listened to you. Or, you know what? Thank you for telling me no. Thank you for saying, please don't do this because here's what occurred. So um, anyway, just want to add a little bit more to that trust component. It's such a huge thing. and Everyone talks about trust, right? I mean, everyone's website, everyone's marketing. You can trust us. We're trustable. You know what? Trust does not happen unless there have been experiences back to back to back that actually show what that trust is. So the, I'm not I'm not a, a, a banker or a coach that openly talks about integrity, that openly talks about trust, you know, all those core values, because at the end of the day, it's about experience. And uh, so anyway, I just want to throw that out there. Awesome. So in full disclosure, I'm having a little bit of technical difficulty. So I'm going to ask you another question and make you the center of the uh, screen for a second <laughs> while I fix my uh, my technical uh, interest. So uh, right. how can our listeners connect with you? And then uh, what one piece of advice would you consider most important, um, you know, if you're like looking to like increase, let's just jump right into the like lifestyle. So we, you've sold your business, you've got this money or whatever. What's the one financial advice you could give somebody if they're looking to, you know, maintain wealth, you know, increase wealth or even create a legacy? Oh, fantastic question. Thanks, Sean, for asking. Um, yeah, so I'm actually working with a client right now uh, and uh, he sold a, a family owned business. I think it was in the family through three generations. Um, he actually sold it earlier than he intended. Um, and I think there were some health issues that kind of prompted that, but he sold it earlier than he intended, which again, goes back a little bit to our conversation about, you know, being ahead of that curve well before an event does happen. But, uh, he ended up with, uh, quite a bit of money and, uh, he's, he's asking those questions right now. What do I need to do with it? And so the first piece of advice that I would have for someone that, uh, has actually transacted, that's actually sold, just sit, just sit for a while. Don't change a thing. Um, continue the lifestyle that you're in and go through that interview process with several folks uh, to talk about the situation, what's occurred. I mean, when I say several folks, I don't mean 20 people. I mean a handful of folks that, again, they, that you trust, that you have an experience with and let them have that information so that they can be um you know, just processing it, giving you some thoughts, some recommendations to consider, but don't make any decisions for probably at least six months to a year before you really make some firm, hard decisions, if you can wait that long. Um, you know, I, I've worked with so many clients that uh, I, I've got another client that uh, recently um, sold a fairly large piece of property. And this was a client that had not had a lot of experience with wealth, with money. The amount was fairly large. And very shortly after a transaction, he already kind of had some ideas of things that he wanted to buy. He wanted to buy some toys, wanted to quickly. And so there was a transition of this fund coming out of a, a fixed appreciable asset real estate that then was being deployed into very highly depreciable assets in a short period of time. And so the, the the thinking of that process really got way out of line and they burned through quite a bit of that cash early on, not really spending much time thinking about the legacy component. How do we uh, uh, not just you know prepare for our children, but also doing some things 
from a legacy component that really made more value to them long term. So um, anyway, so just a little bit of thought and guidance uh, on that. So it looks like we may have Ross Lawn. Ron, looks like we are still live. Uh, there you are. There Ron. you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. I'll be uh, full. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Awesome. So uh, in full disclosure, I didn't pay attention to my kids unplugged my uh, iPad last night and I got down to 2%. So we're, I thought we could make it. We're at 35 minutes. And I was like, I've got this giant, I don't know if you can even see it, but I've got the cool giant boom mic and everything else. Yeah. I had to uh, switch over to just the headset mic and uh, we'll make it work. Nope. So, that's what uh, happens when you get a long-winded guest, Ron. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm loving it. We're having a great conversation, right? And um, so... Um, you know, one thing I do want to make sure before we, uh, you know, get even close to the end here is if somebody wants to reach out to you, uh, what's the best way to, to contact you, man? How yeah, you absolutely. Yeah, you bet, Ron. Thank you so much. So, uh, website is uh, rudyupshaw.com. Uh, that really is kind of the best access into me. Um, I'm also on social media on Facebook, uh, Rudy Upshaw. If you just go in Facebook or LinkedIn, very active on LinkedIn. I put a lot of great content on LinkedIn to help business owners with some of those needs. Uh, Rudy Upshaw on LinkedIn. So really simple, Rudy Upshaw. And it's fun content too. I always see your stuff and you're always having a good time posting. And um, I'm a big blue, I'm a big fan of that, right? I'm, life's too short to take everything overly serious. We got to have fun. We got to help each other out. And uh, that's, that's how we move forward. So, um, you know, I always ask this, this is one question that, um, you know, before we wrap up here is who are the three most influential people that influenced where you're at now? And that, you know, somebody else could uh, take a look at too. Like, you know, who, who, who influenced you in, in your life? And, uh, you know, you'd like to put on the radar of our listeners. Oh man. Thanks. Thanks for asking. That is a great question. Um, so in, influential people from, or for, I guess, well, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, I, I don't mean to be flip about this, but um, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And, you know, there are so many amazing uh, things in the Bible from a business perspective, how to treat people, how to work hard, how to uh, follow your purpose. Right. Let your purpose drive you. And uh, I put a post out uh, just recently on Good Friday and it just really struck me the the example that Christ gave. Um, about being purpose-driven, right, and following that purpose, regardless of the consequence, regardless of the, the challenge that are in front of you. Um, I, I'll just say, you know, Jesus Christ is probably my number one, uh, without question. Uh, you know, number two, um, you know, I, I really like the work of Grant Cardone. Um, th there are some things that you have to, you know, kind of wade through with Grant, right? He's a very All strong right. personality, and language isn't always the best, so you have to kind of wade through that. But um, one of the books that I, I regularly listen to on Audible is uh, 10X, the 10X rule. And it's such a motivation for me because, you know, as, as business owners, as business leaders, when we go through our day, you know, we're, we, we just have all kinds of challenges, right? Like everyone does. But the, the 10X rule for me is like, you know, man, regardless of what's happening, keep driving, keep driving for that purpose, right? For that value, that principle uh, that, that God has put on my heart. Uh, keep driving. Don't don't let let up, you know, do it in a very honorable, respectful, uh, character driven way. 
but keep driving. So I, I love that book. And then my last book, and I've got it behind uh, my shoulder here, you know, Total Money Makeover, the Dave, Dave Ramsey principles. You know, they're so simple. They're so straightforward. And when I have clients that say, when we sit down in a, in a coaching environment, either business or, or personal financial, the question gets asked, gosh, you know, the, the things that we're talking about, they're so simple. They're so easy. You know what? I, I don't really think that we need to engage. I think I can do this on my own. And, and Ron, I love when that question gets asked, either from a business perspective or from a personal side. Usually it comes from the business side, quite honestly, because these guys have been or these people have been in this business role for a long time. But when, when they ask me the question, I say, you know what? That's a fantastic. Well, let me ask you a question. Why, after all these years, have you not done the principles, done the things that, that we're talking about and I'm sharing with you? And Ron, when I ask that question, it, it's, it's I, I see their eyes like, you know, you're right. I, I totally get the reason that I haven't is because I just haven't been disciplined or I haven't had someone to walk with me through the process. So I get it why we're going to engage and, and we're going to engage right now, actually. <laughs> and it's interesting. Part of that has to do with accountability, right? Part of the coaching is I've made a commitment to another human being and going to have something done by a particular date. As a matter of my word, by God, I'm getting it done. Right. So having a coach or having a mentor that says, here's what you do next and you go, OK, I'll do that. You know, you don't want to disappoint that guy. Number one, you're paying them. But number two, it's another human being. And if you value their time, you know, and, and want to move to the next step, you're going to get that done. So I, I, I get that. Right. Um, so we're coming we're coming up to our time here. And I, I want to you know hit a couple of points real quick is, first of all, I want to remind everybody how to reach out to you. And then I always this is one of my favorite questions. I always that there's two questions I always end with. And uh, it's like we've asked a bunch of questions. We've talked a lot about a lot of different things. What questions should have asked you? Right. What what did mm -hmm. I miss? Is there a question out there that like I should have asked you so that our listeners would know, so that business owners would know, so that families that want to create a legacy and, uh, you know, financial uh, well-being? You know, what questions should I ask that would address that? Yeah, fabulous question. And I'm glad you asked it. Uh, I hadn't really thought about it until, until you presented it. The, the, the question that you probably should have asked me is, as a, as a business owner, um, well, let me, let, me, let me phrase it differently. I guess my last piece of advice is, as a business owner, uh, as a uh, uh, business leader, um, relationships are key. And in, in, as we've gotten so tech heavy, where you know, we're relying on technology for communication, text messages, all, you, you name it, it's all out there, right? Um, that really is not what starts relationship and what continues relationship. And you've got to be intentional with that. You've got to talk to people. You've got to be very in, intentional to engage with understanding um, who the person is, what their drivers are, and develop that relationship. I mean, it, it's so interesting. My space in the commercial banking industry, um, there's so much of a play for fintech, right? Uh, fintech's coming in. They want to try to take over the business environment. And they are making some headway, especially in the lower tier small business space. But, but what FinTech will never, ever do well is that relationship where the, the banker, the consultant, the coach can anticipate, be proactive and be working many times, you know, five, 10 miles down the road for a client on what that strategy is for them because of that relationship. And it's really about caring about the other person. So 
My biggest piece of advice for anyone looking at doing anything from a business or financial perspective is establish a relationship and interview lots of folks. Um, So whatever that's worth, Ron. All right. That sounds great. Um, The last question is always going to be, what can the listeners or the audience do for you? Or is there anything out there that you need for your business that the audience could connect you to, you know, you know, connect you with or, um, just what can the audience do, you know, when they connect with you that would bring value to your world? Oh, wow. Thanks, Ron. Great question. Um, so engagement, you know, um, I, I do consultations. I consult with people on, on the banking side, commercial banking side. I consult on the coaching side. Consultate. If there's ever a question where someone is listening to your podcast, Ron, either, and I know you do this, Ron, you, you're, a, you're a consultation guy, right? And so if there's anyone that has just a question or a thought or what if um, they need to consult, you know, spend the time, engage and say, hey, listen, Ron, I've got I've got this issue that's popped up. Do you mind if we spend, you know, 30 minutes visiting on it, 15 minutes visiting on it? You're always going to answer yes. Consultations are the key to people breaking through those those ceilings that they get stuck with getting unstuck. And uh, so it's the consultation piece. I mean, I, I do them all the time. And Ron, so to give you a little bit of a point of reference, so I consult with people beginning at 8 a.m. in the morning and I go until nine o'clock at night and I do Saturdays. I do a nine to two. And I, that is my total availability to visit with folks. So and I think you're very similar. You have very broad time frames to make it convenient for people. Um, what, what I get amazed with is when people uh, don't go through that consultation process to see if there's even a fit. And many times they come to you or they come to me and, uh, and, and, you know, I'm glad they do, no question. But many times it's an emergency situation. It's a we're in dire stretch. We're about to lose a home. We're about to lose, you know, the business. You know, what do we need to do? And we'll, we'll definitely work with them. But, man, if they can consult on the front end, uh, my consultations are free. I don't charge anything for that time. If we do engage, it's, it's a good strategy. And then we, we go down the next steps. But man, console, call me, call you, um, engage. It's all about engagement, brother. All right. So thank you. And thank you for being on the show. One more time. Tell us, tell everybody how they get a hold of you. Absolutely. RudyUpshaw.com. RudyUpshaw.com. Looking at your website, it's really well done. Uh, and I appreciate your time and we're going to end this here. So thank everybody for listening and uh, have a great day. Great job. Thanks, Ron. Today's show is brought to you by the Investors and Entrepreneurs Professional Mastermind. The Investors and Entrepreneurs Professional Mastermind combines the traditional peer-to-peer mastermind introduced first in Napoleon Hill's famous book, Think and Grow Rich, with accountability partnering where your peers help you ensure that you set goals, take actions, and get results. If you want to scale, blow past roadblocks, and achieve success faster than you might think is possible, I suggest you take a visit over to TIEPM.com. That's T I E PM.com and check out the Investors and Entrepreneurs Professional Mastermind.